following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Hand of Elliott plowing to the goal line. Barry sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it and he bangs it in for the touchdown. Welcome into Talking Cowboys here on this March 31st. It's a cloudy Tuesday morning and we are all remote instead of being inside the SWBC Mortgage Studios. It's a brand new edition of Talking Cowboys. Kyle Yeomans here alongside, well I guess alongside Heckma Harrison as he would be to my left. I've got Rob Phillips below me, and then in the caddy corner from where I am, the great Danny Surrett joins Talking Cowboys. How are we doing, guys? What an intro. That's Kyle for you, man. I'm doing good, doing Kyle. Big. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Rob, how's it, how's it hanging down there in quarantine? I know you've got a new baby in the house, so it must be a little bit nice to stay home. I'm getting notifications on my phone as we speak that her crib is detecting movement, but I think she's asleep, so I think we're good. I'm glad everybody is uh, properly social distanced and doing well, and I hope that this next hour can be a nice distraction for Cowboy fans for sure. Absolutely, and there's plenty to talk about as well because there's some new additions to the Dallas Cowboys Uh, Definitely some moves that could be made over the next couple of weeks as we're closing in. Thursday marks three weeks from the NFL draft. And then following that, who knows how this roster is going to shape out before we head into training camp. But it is a new group here. Here for Talking Cowboys, we're excited about it and want to wish the best to to Mickey Spagnola. We love having Mickey around to, to keep us all in check for sure. Uh, but we're excited about his new show, Mix Shots, coming up in the next couple of days, I believe. I think they're going to try and get that started this week. And I know he and Bill Jones are going to do a magnificent job on Mix Shots. But with that being said, let's go ahead and, and dive into this free agency update. A trio of players that have been signed by the Cowboys as free agents that uh, have made some noise, at least since we last convened here on Talking Cowboys. And we're going to start with... The defensive tackle position, Don Terry Poe, signed by the Cowboys, two years, $2.5 million, and this is an individual who had four sacks last year. He's pretty solid in the pass rush, and 32nd rated interior defensive lineman on pro football focus, and just for reference for pro football focus and where he, that kind of lies is 32nd, that means he's one of the top, at least starting guys. He's listed as a starter on pro football focus But also Malik Collins was a 65, and that's probably who he would be replacing. So that's just kind of a reference there. But, Rob, we'll start with you. What do you think about this post-signing, and what does it do to beef up that defensive line? Well, first off, the pro football reference, I I use it. I know the head coach uses it, Mike McCarthy. He kind of collaborated collaborated with those guys last year while he was taking a year off. Um, So there is validity to it. I I like the move because I do think – at some point they needed to address the size up front and it requires a philosophy change for this team you know rod marinelli wanted those quicker more athletic defensive linemen to get up the field and penetrate and try to make plays in the backfield and obviously that's still a part of it no matter what size you are at the nfl level but 
I think some of the problems they've had in the run defense has been attributed to their size up front. And, you know, you're not going to find many defensive tackles, as you said, Kyle, with the productivity of Don Terry Poe, including the size that he brings up front at 345 pounds. And, you know, when you go back and you look at this Cowboys defense and where they've struggled, they've been pretty good overall the last couple years. And they have good young players. They have good young linebackers. But they – this stat just really jumped out at me. I did it right before we went on the show. They're 3-14 and 14 the last two years when they've given up 100 yards rushing or more. That has been their calling card, mm. stopping the run. And when they haven't done that, they have really struggled. So I, I, I like the move up front. I think Gerald McCoy as well, who's agreed to a deal, gives them – uh, some more size, some more versatility. And I think that's another part of Poe's game maybe people don't know is that he came from a 3-4 scheme in the past, but he's also played a 4-3 front, which is kind of in line with Mike Nolan's history too as a guy that's coached multiple schemes. And I think that's kind of what they're going for here with this defense. Ekma? Yeah, I mean, I'm, man, I'm extremely excited about Don Terry Poe. He's a guy that coming out of Memphis uh, was a dog and, and definitely the production that he had in, in Kansas City, uh, also in Atlanta, uh, and also in Carolina after the, well, obviously before uh, the injury. But, man, Don Terry Poe is big for a person, man. 340 pounds. <laughs> I mean, he is all of that. And what he's able to do at the point of attack, uh, in the running game, he's a person that he, he's a guy that doesn't give up his chest. So you don't have to worry about him getting pushed off of the line of scrimmage. But he's able to do a lot of things for a guy his size that you wouldn't necessarily accept. Being able to rip and sit and anchor himself down in the running game, but also coming after quarterbacks, he pushes that pocket in the middle. It makes it literally impossible. He's gonna that's what he's gonna create for the Cowboys, making that pocket not so clean for four quarterbacks. And look, guys, the football has changed so much now where most of the quarterbacks are in a shotgun anyway. And so getting to the quarterback and having someone that can be effective and also stopping the run, as um, as Rob alluded to, the Cowboys were just dreadful uh, in, the, in the running game. I mean, we got slashed a lot, and it was on those delayed draws and screens where we were really liable because we had those smaller guys that were just trying to get up the field to create that rush. And so now with the, the girth movement, as I'm calling it, with McCoy and Dunterry Poe, you have guys that are consummate professionals that also have that size to, to bring on a delayed uh, rush. But also, like I said, it's just the size and athleticism of Don Terry Poe that's really that exciting. He has that ability to dip, swim, and also he said four, four sacks last year. And again, that was all about a guy like him collapsing the pocket and getting those that getting those pressures. Danny. Robin Heckma have touched on all the techniques uh, that Poe brings, but I think something that's interesting, too, for Poe and the other defensive tackle, Jerry McCoy, which I know we'll get to, Kyle, is the leadership. These guys are longtime veterans, and I think that's going to be really important on this defensive line because right now the only other starter that we know about is Demarcus Lawrence, really, because we don't know about Tyrone Crawford coming off those hip surgeries and or what's going to happen with Randy Gregory if he's going to be reinstated. So I think this veteran leadership is going to be really important for the defensive line, especially with younger players. I mean, think about Tristan Hill. I, I would hope that these veterans will be able to help him and other young players progress and really bring that fire that I feel like the defensive line 
was missing this last year. And and to touch base, when I think about uh, the poor run defense, all I can think about are all those quarterback runs. <laughs> and it's oh. pretty, pretty uh, miserable to think back on that. So I'm excited to have these two bigger defensive tackles out on the line. Well, and I think one of the biggest winners. With those, with those yeah. TV runs. <laughs> I, I think one of the biggest winners, though, out of these two signings, both Don Terry Poe and Gerald McCore, the linebackers also, because it really does free them up to have two big, beefy bodies in the middle that are able to stop the run, that are able to even present a little bit of pass rush that kind of lets the pressure off of those linebackers like a Jalen Smith or a Sean Lee, and we'll see if Leighton Vander Esch and his health comes back into play yeah, later on. But it, this kind of brings up the question of, now with these two signings, Poe and McCoy, who's going to be the three technique and who's going to be the one technique? I know they played a little bit of both last year in Carolina. I know that we've kind of talked about it before with this uh, this Mike Nolan-led defense that it's going to be a little bit of a hybrid look. Nobody's going to be pigeonholed into a 4-3 or a 3-4. It's going to be a little bit different back and forth, and you're going to see some multiple in there defensively. But if we were going to try and pigeonhole these guys, who's going to be the one technique and who's going to be the three? Because they can really play both. Yeah, I'd say Poe is going to be your one and McCoy is going to be your three. Uh, just just because of size alone, he's going to line up in that A-gap between the center and the guard. That's just his specialty. That's what he does. But he's also versatile. I mean, he has a lot in his tool belt that allows him to move on the outside as well. And the Cowboys in the past have done a lot of those stunts. We don't know exactly what no Mike Nolan's going to do to that regard, but it would appear to me uh, that Don Terry Poe is going to be your one in McCoy the three. Yeah, and if you go to a three-man line, I, you know, I Poe can play definitely play that zero technique and just be that true nose guard for you. Yeah, uh, I'm agreeing with Ekman on that one, and I and I think and I think McCoy is versatile enough too in a four man line to kick out and play some some edge rusher as well. I think that's one reason they like him too. One thing though, I I, I want to you know what before I get to that, Danny made a good point about Tristan Hill and how you know he fit Rod Marinelli's scheme on paper and it didn't work out last year, but that. It's interesting what Mike McCarthy said when he got hired about it. If you're getting rid of good players or not looking at good players because of your scheme alone, then you got to look at your scheme. And I think that's what they're doing in the Cowboys front office and coaching staff this past year and trying to just get good players and see how they how they fit and then kind of adapt the scheme to that. And I think maybe the Cowboys have felt like they've been a little too rigid in their scheme. And maybe these guys can bring uh, a little bit more versatility and again as you yeah. mentioned the size up front as well yeah Danny it, that was a great point also Danny again Tristan Hill is a, is a guy that's become enigmatic in a very short period of time uh, for the Cowboys because of his draft you know how how he was as a draft pick and his lack of production. We didn't get to see a lot of him uh, on film, but you know that there's talent there. He's going to be a guy that I believe that will back up Gerald McCoy. We don't know again with with uh, Crawford what's going to happen. Uh, as far as next season, this season, uh, because of the hip surgeries. But he's a guy that was a big part of the leadership on the defensive line. And you saw that was missing uh, as far as the leadership that he brought to that group. So I'm hoping that with the combination of all of these veterans, Crawford, McCoy, and Poe, that that's going to make the difference for a young guy like Hill. Because you saw last year he had some maturity issues. Yeah, no, I, I think <laughs> – go for it, Danny. Good. Sorry, Kyle. Uh, I will say too. Uh, I I do feel like 
it was a, a very unique scenario for how we are all evaluating Hill because he was a second-round draft pick, but the Cowboys traded their first-round draft pick for Amari Cooper to Oakland. So in the Cowboys' eyes, he was the first-round pick, but of course you would have liked to have seen a little more from him in his rookie year last year. I will say about the defensive tackle signing, something that excites me is uh, at the beginning of the offseason, the entire new coaching staff was available to the media. And when I was talking with uh, defensive line coach Jim Tomzula, something that stood out to me was he had said, you know, I want players where, like, they're not going to look to me ready to come out and take a break. So when I see that we're getting these defensive linemen signed and I know that they're doing the research, I get excited because I know these are going to be players who are going to want to fight and they're not going to want to come off the field. I like that. That's the kind of player you need. You need some dogs up front that are going to plow the line, free up those linebackers, and potentially win some battles in the trenches. We're going to talk about the edge of that defensive line a little bit later on with some scenarios, maybe even trade scenarios, but also some draft prospects as well that could fill that edge rusher spot. Moving on to the next signing from last week, tight end Blake Bell. And this is a guy that brings back bad memories for me because I grew up a fan of the Baylor Bears. I grew up in Waco, and uh, back in 2013, he was the quarterback for Oklahoma, and they called him the Belldozer, one of my favorite nicknames in college football history. The Belldozer just did everything that you couldn't stop, I guess, for OU. He just kind of plowed through the line. Now he's a tight end, though. He was a quarterback in college. He's been a tight end in the league really since he entered. But this is a guy who can do a lot of things. And, Rob, I saw yesterday on on one of the pieces on DallasCowboys.com, somebody asked if this could be our Taysom Hill, of course referring to the Saints quarterback. But I, I don't know if that's necessarily a great comparison, but it's a guy who can do a lot of things for you, and it really kind of clears up exactly where the Cowboys are going at that tight end spot, right? Yeah, I kind of – I don't know if I snapped at that mailbag question, but uh, I, I just didn't want. I don't. I don't want Taysom Hill. Not Taysom. I don't want Blake Bell to take Dak Prescott off the field, and that's what the question w- was getting at. You know, because obviously we've seen with Hill in New Orleans, they found ways to, to put him in at quarterback and take Drew Brees off the field, even in the playoffs. Um, I think with Dak, he's versatile enough as and mobile enough where I, I don't, and especially given the amount of money they're eventually going to pay him long term. That's just not a viable scenario for me. Maybe if you're in the red zone, uh, he can do some of that belldozer stuff, that Tim Tebow light stuff that he did in college. But I do think, and, and you know, Bucky Brooks had a really nice scout. He's our new resident scout, essentially. Uh, had a really nice scouting report on him this week or the past couple days. And, and basically, he's a capable tight end number two. He's a capable blocker. Uh, that's probably going to be line one for him. In, especially in the run blocking game, because losing Jason Witten, that's something that he brought to the table even late in his career. And obviously, he had a catch in the Super Bowl. He is a capable receiver and a pass catcher. So I think they feel like he can be a compliment, a nice compliment to Blake Jarwin and what he's able to do stretching the field vertically for them. Yeah, we got the we got the Blake brothers. Blake and Blake, and uh, we got to come up with, we got to coin a really good nickname for these guys, man. But I was, ex- I'm really excited uh, about Blake Bell. And the reason being is that you know that NFL defensive coordinators, they spend all of their time scheming and studying tendencies. And so anytime the Cowboys tip their hand on something that they're doing through personnel uh, packages, they're going to be able to, you know, anytime, you, I mean, you're basically dead in the water if they can predict 
if there's any uh, prediction uh, to to your offense, and that's what we had when you saw the year when um, Jason Witten was out. We just didn't have that quintessential blocking tight end and that's what Blake Bell does provide as well I mean he's not a dominating bulldozer blocker uh, but he does give you enough where he can chip guys he can hold that one-on-one win that battle but also as far as in the passing game he's a tight end that can find you know get skinny and find that soft bubble and sit down and you know make catches now there has been uh, I guess the only knock on him is just catching. Uh, he had three drops last year, but man, he was playing behind an all-world uh, tight end uh, last, you know, in Kansas City. So, look, he probably didn't get uh, the opportunities that he'll get here uh, in Dallas, but I think that's a that's a quality uh, pickup with Blake Bell because of all the things that he can do, but I don't think that that is, you know, again, for Schultz, that's going to be pushing him, but I don't know if the Cowboys are finished looking at tight ends either through the draft or free agency as well. Heckma, you brought up the point that really excites me about Bell was playing behind Kelsey, but Jarwin was playing behind Witten. And right. right now, Blake Jarwin is going to be the starter. But what excites me the most about this is to finally see some tight end competition. We loved what we saw from Blake Jarwin. He was explosive last year. He had great yards after the catch. But Jason Witten was still the guy because Jason Witten was here for 16 years. And while Witten was great in his own aspects, I am excited to see some tight end competition. And I think that Blake Bell, he, he's a big guy. He's like 6'6", six, 6'5". Six, six, I mean, I'm excited to see, at least in training camp, some competition in the tight ends and, and see what, what he brings and how he elevates Darwin's game. Well, I think oh, that's absolutely. a great point. He and Schultz. Yeah, I, I think Schultz and I think Jarwin, I think all of those guys are in play here because if you think back to how Mike McCarthy handled things in Green Bay, he used two tight end sets quite a bit. I mean, that was really one of his staples up in Green Bay was using a couple of tight ends. And right now you've got two very capable ones. One's more of a receiving threat in Blake Jarwin and the other one's a great pass blocker in Blake Bell. Now, Blake Bell still has some holes in his game. He's, of course, going to be a backup tight end for a reason. But I think this is an underrating, uh, underrated signing for the Cowboys overall. I think this is a guy who's going to do a lot of things for you. And like Danny said, I think that's a magnificent point is it brings in some competition because right now, or at least before the signing, it was clear number one is going to be Blake Jarwin. Number two is going to be Dalton Schultz. And there's a clear separation between the two. Now you have Blake Bell that's going to kind of challenge up toward Blake Jarwin and see exactly how things work out with uh, with those two kind of going at it. But talking about positional battles, we've got one more signing to hit before we take our first break. And it's a kicker battle. We've got Greg Zerline from the Los Angeles Rams now coming in on a three-year, $7.5 million. And I say it's a kicker battle but, guys, this is a lot of money for a guy who is going to get signed by the Cowboys and be in a quote-unquote battle with Kai Forbath. Forbath, of course, being signed last year on the heels of the re release of Brett Maher. But he ended up going 10 for 10 in terms of his field goals last year. And then you turn around, you have Greg Zerline, who was a bit hurt, only played three games last year, but is still, at least before then, was one of the top five kickers in the league. Kicker battle, ooh. <laughs> Rob, what you got? <laughs> I, I want a kicker battle. I think that's great. I think I think this team needs it now. I, you know, if Kyle makes a good point, I, the reports are it's it's two and a two point two five guaranteed uh, million for 
Zerline to come here. And, and obviously, he's got a history with John Fossil, the new special teams coordinator, and that's important. I think it's important for your a new coaching staff to have guys that they're comfortable with. However, I, I would keep Forbath on the roster and go to training camp and see how this thing shakes out because uh, what I, you know I saw Cowboys fans on Twitter shake you know scratching their head on this and I think it's I think it's great right now to have two kickers on the roster. You go to camp and see how things play out because the biggest complaints or one of the biggest complaints we got all of last preseason and into the season, especially all the way into December, was there's no contingency plan for Brad Maher and it, it took ten misses on field goal attempts in the regular season to finally make a change. And Forbath, of course, came in and went 10 for 10 in the final two games. They have a potential contingency plan here, and and it wouldn't cost them a lot in guaranteed money if they decide, you know, okay, yeah, Zerline's the guy and we move on from Kai Forbath. But they have options, and that was the thing we kept hearing, uh, you know, internally last year was, well, there just wasn't a lot out there in terms of alternatives for Brett Maher, and they just reached a point where, you're about to miss the playoffs, and you've got to do something. And and now they've got a couple options here. Danny, what you got? I just don't. This doesn't really surprise me because we didn't see enough of Forbath to have him to have Cowboys fans know that he was going to be the kicker this year. So this doesn't really surprise me. I think it's exciting. This is something like Rob was saying. Cowboys fans were nagging about all year, and so now now there's options. The Cowboys were. Uh, thin on options last year when they uh, signed Forbath to replace Brett Maher. So I think this is also important because, like Rob was saying, this is John Fossil's guy. They were uh, with the Rams together, and so I think that's important too. And I know special teams is obviously a big area the Cowboys really struggled in last year, so it doesn't surprise me that John Fossil is starting to to get some guys he's already comfortable with. To Kyle's yeah, point, I, I do I, – I, sorry, heck, I, I do think – that Zerline, based on the money, is probably going to be the guy, and based on his history with Fossil. But you know, it is worth pointing out, heck, that you know, he, I think he was 73% last year kicking, had nine misses, and that's the that was the knock on Brad Maher too. So right up there, leg, he's right up there. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got a big leg, and he's made a lot of big kicks. You know, he's been a proven guy. So um, that's a, that's different than Maher in terms of resume, heck. Yeah, man. I mean, look, I think it should be competition at every position. I mean, obviously you can't. There's certain Zeke, he's fine. And, you know, our offensive line, there's positions that you won't touch. But there are a lot of positions on the Dallas Cowboys roster that need to have uh, some competition. And the kicking game, if I'm Mike McCarthy, that's one of the things that I want to be able to lay my head on my pillow at night, not having to worry about who my kicker is on Sundays. And, man, it just got to the point last year where every time Maher took the field, you just didn't know. And if you go back and look at the games that we lost, those close games that we lost, it was the difference between, uh, some of those kicks made the difference between a 10-6 and six season or the 8-8 eight and eight season that we finished at. And so, I mean, for Forbath, I'm ticked off. You know, they gave this guy all this money, and here I, you know, I'm, I came in, I was your saving grace, I did a really good job. And so, yeah, if I'm Forbath, I want a bloodbath. You know, I want, I want it to, we're going to kick for this, we're going to kick for our meals at the star. So, I, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. I think it was the right decision to make as far as bringing in another veteran kicker or a kicker that's going to bring some competition. So I don't mind it at all. And I think that it, you can't do anything but set yourself up for success by having guys compete. 
Yeah, definitely competing between the three signings from last week. And there's still plenty to go until we see exactly how this roster is going to pan out heading into training camp, whenever that may be. We do have some new news, at least over the past week, over Dak Prescott. We're going to hit that when we come back, see how those contract negotiations are going. You're watching and listening to Talking Cowboys here on DallasCowboys.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping! Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score, September 2019. Back to Talkin' Cowboys. Rolling into segment number two here on Talking Cowboys. Glad you're with us. Rob Phillips below me. Then you've got Heckma Harrison to my left and the great Danny Serac down in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. I'm Kyle Yeomans. As we move on, let's talk about some of Dak Prescott's contract negotiations. Him and the Cowboys still in conversation about the long-term deal despite the franchise tag already being placed. News came out last night that those talks have continued all the way up until now, and some of the offers that have been on the table, at least reported by Ed Warder of ESPN, said that it would be more money on average per year, APY, than any other player in the NFL. Now they're trying to figure out year and contract structure. Of course, the, the deadline's July 15th for this deal, but it kind of sets things up as what could potentially be a long-term deal well before that deadline, kind of encouraging for those who want to get a deal done and want to see Dak Prescott as the quarterback for the Cowboys moving forward. Heckman, we're going to start with you. Does this make you more confident in the fact that a deal's going to get done, that there's still negotiation, there's more encouraging momentum heading that way? Oh, absolutely. It's it's uh, 
you know, we didn't want for this to last as long. I mean, for Cowboy Nation, anybody, we want to make sure that, you know, that Dak was going to be here for OTAs. And obviously with COVID-19, that changes everything as far as the offseason. Uh, we didn't know what it was essentially that Dak was asking for. Was it the years? Was it the money? We understand now that it's not the money, it's the years. And being able to have a four-year contract and just having that business mind that Dak has for saying that, look, I want less years to be able to come back to the table again at you know 20, or 30 years old, 31 years old to, to renegotiate this thing. And you see guys getting a lot smarter with this after the CBA and every, all that leverage that they have. And so I don't have a problem with Dak exercising his leverage. What I want, really, for me as a fan, is for Dak to get in, get with Mike McCarthy, and figure this thing out. And I, I'm one of those people, man, that I've seen guys get a payday, and they just fall off the cliff. I don't want the rich Dak, poor Dak comparison. You know, I want to make sure that <laughs> Dak Prescott, I want the same Dak, In, in 2013, that came in for after Romo was got hurt in Seattle. I want that same guy. I want that same intensity. So that's the only thing that I have that I worry about with Dak Prescott is man is that is his hunger going to be there? Because man, he is going to go. I'm going to say rags to riches, but in comparison, I mean it's going to be a lot more zeros in that bank account once he signs his name on that dotted line. Yeah, Danny. I. I I don't worry oh. about his his motivation. I, I, I just feel like just being around him the last few years, I mean, he can name every guy that was drafted at the quarterback position ahead of him in 2016. I don't know if that goes away, even with money, and that's just kind of his nature, the way he's, he's wired. Um, Heckma brought up some great points in terms of the CBA and um, – I'm sorry, the OTAs and whether those are going to happen because of COVID-19. And that was obviously a question mark in terms of the franchise tag and would Dak show up. I think I've never really been concerned about this getting done, certainly before July 15th. And, it, it you know, we're not sure the timeline to getting it done. Um, it, obviously, the years are important. And you're seeing this in the NBA, too, with guys being more aware of, okay, well, the salary cap's supposed to spike after this year. I'm going to sign a two-year deal. Um, right. That's not how the Cowboys have really operated in the past. If you think about some of the contracts they've done, in the past, um, Tyron Smith, I think, signed an eight-year deal, an eight-year deal at one point. Um, so, but from a business standpoint, you understand if that's if that is the case, then it would allow Dak on a shorter deal to come back to the table, as Heckman mentioned. Um, but I've always felt confident that it would ultimately get done because I do think the Cowboys value him long-term. I really do believe that, even though it hasn't gotten done. And you know, I, I wonder, and I, I don't know this, but given. The, the highly uncertain economic climate right now because of COVID-19, you know, would it, would it make Dak think about, okay, I, I, I want to get this finished. I want to get this deal done. Um, maybe that's a factor. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah. I do think we'll see an agreement at some point. Rob, I agree with everything you said. Every player uh -oh. has the highest regard for Prescott in that locker room. Um, I, I don't necessarily think his motivation is going to change, and I don't have a problem with him fighting for how many years he wants. This isn't something we see as much with quarterbacks as something like running backs and something we've seen really recently, as recently as with Todd Gurley uh, and the Rams cutting him, is that players are understanding that they're, they're just, this is a business. 
you know, just as much as the team see it as a business for them, they need to see it as a business for themselves and looking after uh, their own future. So I don't have a problem with Dak asking for maybe one less year than the Cowboys want to give him. And I'm so confident this is going to get done. Jerry Jones has said from the very beginning that Dak Prescott is their guy. And so I think they're going to do whatever it takes to get Prescott signed so that he can he can help take this team to the playoffs, and, and they still think he's the guy to take him to the Super Bowl. Hey, Kyle, I wanted to, to throw this out at you as well. I mean, you think about the new, uh, the new place that we're in with this uh, COVID-19 and not having – well, we don't know if we're not going to have OTAs, but just say we did not have – or we, we had OTAs and Dak didn't show up. For OTAs, can you imagine the media windfall? Because again, a lot of his leverage goes away with that. Uh, now that you know players are not going to be required or, or to volunteer, voluntarily told uh, to come into uh, the facilities for OTAs, and so he's avoiding a lot of that backlash, backlash or bad press if OTAs will be canceled, and he's able to get a deal done in between now and July fifteenth. Yeah, that's a good point because you think about all the holdouts that have happened. If there's nothing to hold out, then where does that leverage lie? Now, because at that point, you're starting to get into game checks. If you're trying to hold out into games, you're losing money. And for Dak Prescott, of course, on the deal that he has, at least with a franchise tag, that's a good chunk of change that he would be leaving on the table if that would be uh, a holdout or something of that sort. I don't think that's even going to come to that. I don't think there's a holdout in store at all. I think a deal will get done. And kind of going back to, to something that uh, that Danny said just to, uh, or kind of alluded to just a moment ago, but the fact that Dak Prescott knows his value, and these players know their value. It kind of reminds me of there was a Sports Illustrated article that was saying the value of being the Dallas or the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And I think Dak understands that better than anybody else, especially in a climate and an economic side of things than we've seen in the past. I mean, you look, you turn on the TV, and he's on Pepsi commercials, Sleep Number, he's on Albertsons. It doesn't matter. All of these different. Sponsors in these different endorsement deals have already been under his tutelage, at least since he's become the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Now it's a chance for him to, to kind of push forward and say, I've done my job. I've kept up my end of the bargain ever since I was drafted back in 2016. Let's pay up and let's go try and win a championship with me at the helm. And I think that's something that's going to get done coming up over the next couple of years. Now, we talked about the money and, and where the money's going to lie. And it's been a topic of conversation all offseason long. When these next quarterback deals get done, like a Deshaun Watson and a Patrick Mahomes, you're going to see contracts start getting up into the 40 millions. What would this money potentially look like? And Rob, I'm kind of turning to you as one of the, the insiders on this, this group. But uh, is this something, I know we've heard 33, 34, 35, but with a shorter deal, is it going to be even kind of knocking on the door of 40 yet? Or is that a little bit too far ahead? Um, that's a good question. I'm, I'm not sure financially how the structure will ultimately look. Uh, but if you do have a longer-term deal, you're able to spread out some of that money. And I think that's probably what the Cowboys are thinking uh, in terms of, you know, if you're getting an upwards of $35 million, uh, what, what, those, what those cap hits are going to look like in year three, year four, year five. Um, so that's part of it. Um, but... You know, I, the other side of it too, and I think we've discussed this on on previous show, is the new money that has to come from the deal because th- these deals that we've seen from Wentz and Goff, 
with the Rams and Eagles, those guys had larger salaries because they were first-round draft picks. And so Dak being such a steal the last few years in terms of fourth-round status makes this a little bit more complicated. Um, but, again, I think ECMA, Danny, I mean, I think ultimately that's something they can work through. And, and I, I think the reports are probably right that it does come down to how long does Dak want to be tied to this deal before he can try to cash in again. Because you're right, Kyle, the, the market's going to get reset certainly when Pat Mahomes signs his extension with the Chiefs. Yeah, of course, man. Pat Mahomes' agent, they're, they're just waiting They're waiting on Dak's deal to get done because Dak may be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL for all of two weeks after he signs his deal because you know that there's another contract looming. Not only with that, the market is going to get reset with Watson. Also, and you got to think about Lamar Jackson. If he's able to continue on the course that he's he's on in Baltimore, all of these things are going to be, you know, market setting contracts by all of these quarterbacks. And I mean, we're we're talking about $40 million, man. We may look up here a year or two two from now and a guy may be at the 50 50 million dollar mark nothing is is out of bounds anymore as far as quarterback salaries I think both both sides Prescott his agent and you know the Cowboys front office are aware of that I would uh, I find it hard to believe that's not something they're thinking about in terms of how quickly they do want to get this deal done because they know pretty much every year for the next couple of years it seems this quarterback uh, it, the market is just going to keep going up you know it's just going to be reset with every new quarterback signing so you might as well get this deal done now so that you're not having to continue to to up the price of how much he's going to be asking for that's it a is great amazing point, to and think I think about it's what gonna... he's made, though. Go ahead, Rob. Go ahead, Kyle. Well, well I was going to move just, on, so you say your point. It's just amazing, his, his salaries. I mean, 400000 I think, early on and $2 million last year. He's getting those endorsements from those, those places like you're talking about, Kyle, but there's nothing like $100-plus million guaranteed on a new contract, right? <laughs> whatever, whatever it's going to be if he's, when he signs. It's going to be like hitting the lottery whenever he finally gets that first paycheck. I remember when Deshaun Watson opened up his first one, he said he like set an alarm for 3 a.m. and then he woke up and was like, oh, man, that's when that paycheck hit. And that was still a rookie deal, so it's going to be even bigger <laughs> for Dak Prescott whenever that day actually does uh, come around. But still kind of talking through the quarterback situation and the contract situation surrounding Dak Prescott. It's never a uh, never a quiet offseason whenever you're around the Dallas Cowboys, no doubt about it. I'm going to throw in some scenarios for you guys. Coming up next, we're going to take a quick break right here, but when we come back, one of the biggest needs for the Cowboys this offseason are edge rushers. I've got a couple guys that potentially could be on the market that I think the Cowboys should at least make some phone calls about, and we're going to tell you about that next when we come back here on Talking Cowboys. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. 
Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. So, you're shopping, and that's when you see it. Aisle 23. Dr. Pepper stacked from top to bottom as far as the eye can see. The phrase too good to be true comes to mind, yet there it is. A rich, delicious Dr. Pepper paradise. Wait, did did that can of Dr. Pepper just open itself for you? They all are. As if to say, so nice to treat you. And even though it feels weird to talk to a can, you pick one up and say, it's so nice to be treated. Dr. Pepper, so nice to treat you. Back to Talkin' Cowboys. Final segment here on Talking Cowboys, a cloudy, it's starting to look like more of a beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Hope everybody is staying safe out there and sheltering in place like we are in our remote studios. I guess this is the remote SWBC Mortgage Studios. Ekma Harrison, Rob Phillips, Danny Sarek, I'm Kyle Yeomans. And as we go into this final segment, first, I want to kind of allude to exactly how much cap space is there for the Dallas Cowboys right now and kind of what they could do to fill some of those spots. And then I'm going to get into some some edge rusher spots there as well. Right now, including what it's going to take to sign this Dallas Cowboys draft class, there's about $15.5 million left in cap space, which means that there could be some more additions on the way, whether that's to sign a Dak Prescott to a long-term deal or to kind of maybe clear up even some more space and and get a bigger name in here. I don't think the Cowboys are done making deals, whether that be through the draft, whether that be through trades. We saw last year Robert Quinn was a a, a late trade in the offseason between Miami and the Cowboys, and Robert Quinn ended up being your best pass rusher. Now he's gone. There's a couple guys at edge that I think could see a Robert Quinn type of deal, and I'm going to rely on you guys to tell me if this is stupid or not. So I'm going to go for it. And first guy that I, I really like overall actually had some news come around today, and I like this idea just because he's an incredible football player. I don't know if it would necessarily work, especially with the money situation with the Cowboys, but let's go to Jacksonville. Yannick Ngwakwe, one of the top pass rushers exactly or in edge rushers overall in the league still just 24 years old he's a guy you're gonna have to turn around and pay pretty quickly I believe he's on the franchise tag right now in Jacksonville I don't know what it would take to get this guy but it would be maybe less of a Robert Quinn type of deal and more of a blockbuster type of deal but I don't know exactly like I said how much it would take to get him but I think this is an opportunity for the Cowboys at least to at least get on the phone and have some conversations with the Cowboys about, or excuse me, with the Jaguars about trying to acquire a guy of his caliber. And I wanted to see, we'll start with you, Heckma. What do you look at whenever you're trying to find a guy like Yannick and Walkway out of uh, Jacksonville and maybe try and make a deal there? Yeah, and Yannick gives me the willies. Uh, I mean, he's, 
I mean, you know, I understand the franchise tag, but again, man, he is the beneficiary of a really good defensive front with Calais Campbell. And, you know, anytime you're having that, like we talked about in the first segment, anytime you got guys that collapse that pocket and make it really simple for a guy like Ndokwe to get those numbers up and get pressures. Um, You know, again, you talked about the deal that he's he's expecting, and he's going to be upward in the $20 million range as well. We already got that guy uh, in Tank Lawrence. So, you know, look, we want a guy that's going to come in and fill in and be that piece on the other side of tank that is serviceable. And we don't have to break the bank to try to get, um, you know, again, I, I understand the athletic ability and the upside for Ndokwe as far as his age. But eh, I'd pass on him. I'm with you, Heckman. It worries me to bring in a player where, you know, you're going to have to pay him a lot that next year. Uh, I, you know, you're right. We just played paid to Marcus Lawrence a ton of money. The Cowboys had to let Robert Quinn go, and so I think they're not looking for someone where you're going to have to break the bank on them after one season. It was a different position, but I think that was when the Cowboys, uh, you know, there were talks about maybe making a trade for uh, Jamal Adams, but, you know, he's going to need a new deal soon. I just, those kind of things kind of worry me about what kind of player are you going to get for one year and having them integrate, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, they want all this money. Yeah, I tend to agree. Just in terms of, of the resources you'd have to give up. And I, the Cowboys didn't want to – they don't like giving up high draft picks. You know, Amari Cooper was an exception because they were desperate, basically, midseason in 2018 to turn it around and try to make the playoffs. It's not something they want to do a lot. I don't know what it would cost in this situation, but certainly – more than a six-round pick that you gave up for Robert Quinn last year, and, and then the money comes in as well. And there's a reason the Cowboys have been pretty, as usual, been pretty selective in what they're doing in free agency. Because to your point, Kyle, they've you know they've got to pay Dak eventually, long term. Even though that, I guess that's slotted at a pretty high level right now with the franchise tag being around uh, 26 something million. Um, but you've also got to save a little money on your cap for your draft picks. And, and so they've, you know, they've got seven picks this year. And I think you know, the preference would be to try to hit something big there and then you know, have a player under relatively low cost control for a while as opposed to having to turn around and pay another big money deal soon. Yeah, I think Kyle's uh, computer froze up. But if I know Kyle like I think I do, I'm going to do a little bit of a Nostradamus here for Kyle. Um, he would probably be someone that would be interested in uh, Cincinnati defensive end Carlos Dunlap, a guy that's been in the league for 10 years, uh, coming off of a, I believe he's two years into his contract. Uh, and so that's a guy that the Cowboys could definitely uh, sign as well. Carlos Dunlap has been a, a pro, a, a good 10-year pro uh, guy out of Florida. Rob, you may know a little bit about Carlos Dunlap. Played in the Marvin Lewis system, 6'6", 270 pounds or so. A guy that would fit in nicely and we definitely wouldn't have to break the bank for Carlos Dunlap. Yeah, that's that probably seems a little more palatable. I mean, at, at some point, they've got to do – they're going to have to do something to help address that edge rusher spot. I alluded to it earlier with Gerald McCoy. can play a little bit on the edge. Tyron Crawford certainly can when he's healthy. Um, Randy Gregory, I guess, is still out there. They still have his rights. If, if they can figure out something with him and, and, and get him back off of suspension, that all remains to be seen. That's that's a lot to ask. I don't think you can count on that. Um, but, I, you know, 
I think this discussion is is well founded because when you look at what the Cowboys have done in the last three weeks or so, based on what's left, I think you know corner and and edge rusher to find find somebody to replace Robert Quinn. Have we got Kyle back? Do we know? I don't know. He's frozen. He's just sitting there. <laughs> it's like Max oh, Hedrum. No. <laughs> it's just pretty weird. Danny, what you got? <laughs> oh, man, this is great. Poor Kyle. I know he had some really good questions, too. Uh, I, I would hope that the Cowboys, uh, I think there's some good enough options uh, for draft picks uh, looking at that edge rusher. But it's, it's a tough call. I think that will probably be one of their top picks they use because we've seen in the past Cowboys don't typically use those early picks for uh, defensive backs, although that's a major area that Cowboys have a need for. But honestly, the thing, the thoughts I had, you know, if you would have asked me a week ago, I would have said, you know, you know, def- you know defensive end's probably their first pick, I would think. But then I'm thinking, well, you have Joe Looney, but but Travis Frederick retired. I'm like, what are they going to do for a center? Like, we, you know, I mean, like we have a hot Clinton Dix now, but what, what are we going to do for a defensive back? So I still think defensive end is one of their top picks they're going to have to address in the draft. But, I mean, honestly, guys, I, I think anything is a go at this point now. All right, guys, I'm back. I've, I've made it back. The, the computer froze up on me in the middle of that last question, so I couldn't hear anything of what you guys have been talking about. But I just heard what you said at the end, Danny and kind of heard about exactly uh, you, you were talking about how there are some draft picks there are there is a need at edge rusher for the Dallas Cowboys and if you look right right on that that right defensive end spot you you talk about Tyrone Crawford being there if Randy Gregory's even going to be available and then Jalen Jelks there maybe as well I mean there's there's a couple options but you would think maybe a guy like uh, a Carlos Dunlap could be uh, a potential <laughs> Why are you guys laughing? Is this? Did you guys talk about this? I'm gonna go back oh and watch this. Oh my gosh, Hekma, amazing! Wow, did Hekma call it? Look at Hekma being a boss. Hekma pretended Heck to be you. Will, man. <laughs> Hekma, Hekma knows me better than anybody. But yeah, I think Carlos Dunlap is a guy that you could potentially get for a fourth or a fifth round pick. This is a guy who was go. one of the top top 20 rated pass rushers in the league last year and he was right behind Robert Quinn and Demarcus Lawrence on Pro Football Focus. Lawrence was 17th, Quinn was 18th and then Carlos Dunlap was 19th. He was higher than Yannick Ngwakwe. He was higher than Jadavian Clowney. He, he has even... As a veteran, he has a lot of presence on that edge. He's a guy that if they wanted to have a draft target, I'm I'm all over the Carlos Dunlap uh, trade train at least. Let's give up a fourth or a fifth round pick and try and go get the guy. But I also think it's awesome uh, to, to look at some of these edge rushers. And the draft show last Thursday brought up an edge rusher and Caleb on chase on. That was the pick that the Cowboys actually had at pick 17 he's an edge rusher out of LSU just a freakish athlete and there are a couple options there whether it's uh, a a chase on or maybe a guy out of Penn State like Yetter Gross Matos AJ Epines is another name out of Iowa there are edge rushers there to Danny's point in the draft that can make you excited at pick 17 about filling that spot and then all of a sudden you've got Demarcus Lawrence Gerald McCoy Don Terry Poe and then insert draft pick name here and all of a sudden, your defensive line is cooking. 
Yeah, Chase Hunt, I like. I like, I like him a lot. But, again, all of that's going to be contingent on where C.J. Henderson falls. I mean, if C.J. Henderson is, is C.J. From, from Florida is there, we got to take that guy. And there are a lot of other uh, picks and guys that may be rated ahead. If with the first pick, I, I am really – and this is something, a philosophy that I just have not, like, you know – being a part of, and that's best player available uh, because we have so many deficiencies on defense. But I you wouldn't don't mind like if, being a part of best player available I, because I because I feel like man, when you have a need, when you have a need on defense, like when everyone start having the CJ Lamb conversation, if CJ mm-hmm. Lamb, if CD, excuse me, CD, CD Lamb is. Yeah, if C.D. Lamb is there, we take C.D. Lamb. And I'm like, no, how do we take C.D. Lamb when our cornerback, you know, we're, we're going to start the season with Brown and Awuzie and Lewis. We need a cornerback right now. But I understand. I, I, I completely get it. Uh, best player available. And if Chasen is a guy that's there for us and he is the best player available, I wouldn't have a problem with getting him. I'm with Heck on this. You've always got to have need on some level. In the draft, I mean, you can't take a quarterback in the first round just because he might be the best guy on your board. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it, it would work out fine, either edge rusher or corner. That's got to be, it's got to be one of those two, in my opinion, based on what's out there. To answer Danny's question, because we touched on it last week, with Travis Frederick retiring, I still think they've got enough internally where they they feel good about, you know, trying to replace him. Whether it's Joe Looney just stepping back in or Connor McGovern as an option, even Connor Williams, who they think can play all five positions. Uh, they, they've got enough flexibility, I think, on the line where they don't have to spend a high draft pick there. Yeah, I don't think a high draft pick will be the offensive line. It was just something where I was like, it feels like it's changing every week. I yeah. think maybe they'll use that first pick maybe for an edge rusher because the run defense was just so poor last year. And I think if you can really secure this defensive line, that will in terms trickle down and help the rest of the defense. Yes. And so that I just I think that's where they're going to end up uh, making that first pick at 17. And I think kind of going off of that, you look at some of the veteran additions in that secondary. I mean, you re-sign guys like Anthony Brown. You've got uh, a couple guys in Jordan Lewis and Chidobia Ouzier that could be solid corners. And then at the safety position, you've got Woods and Ha Ha Clinton Dix now back there. What's a better way to make them better? Is make your defensive line Front. better. And they're beefing up the defensive mm-hmm. line. That's exactly what they've been doing all offseason long. And if they find an edge rusher, which I still think is one of the better needs of this Cowboys defense, to your point, uh, Danny, if you go out and get a guy that's going to find a way to stop the run defensively. It also makes your linebackers better, which in turn makes your defense just as a whole better. I think that's a, a an underrated look at how they could really improve. I know a lot of emphasis, and trust me, draft Twitter's been all over this. There's a lot of emphasis on the corners and the safeties. But one way to make everyone on your team better with one pick is finding a good edge rusher. And I think yeah, that's something I mean, that the Cowboys could be looking yeah. for. Kyle, you're right, and, and but the, at the same time, you know, in the back half of our defense, we're, we're even with the signing of of Clinton Dix. I like mm-hmm. him. I think, and, and a lot has been made about him being a bridge player, not a guy that's going to be a mainstay, but a guy that's going to get us through the season till we get to the guy that we really want. You've talked a lot about Antoine Winfield Jr. being a guy that could come in Love and him. impact this defense immediately. You know, being a even if he's a strong safety. I know last year, Cowboy Nation, we wanted uh, Thomas. We, we you know we were 
crying for Jamal Adams, players like that, because we understand that we need a ball hawk. And with coach, the secondary coach and Al Harris, that's exactly what he's been preaching, saying that I want guys that touch the ball every play, one way or another. And I'm just not sold on what we're going to do with Brown, Awuzie, Lewis, and even uh, Kennedy. And I, and I believe the Kennedy signing was just special teams. I, I'm not saying that he won't be a viable option for us. But again, we need those guys that, look, we don't have to worry about him. He can be that lockdown corner. I, be, I believe, honestly, that Jones... He was the beneficiary of the fact that everyone knew that the guy on the other side of him was a little bit more susceptible and weaker. And so they attacked him. And, and, and with all that being said, I mean, Byron Jones cashed out <laughs> based off of that. But he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. I mean, but we got We have to. We have to. And I mean, we, we talked about and there's so much being made about Amari Cooper and the fact that, you know, he had where he was at AT&T, AT&T Stadium. He loved that home cook and he played his butt off. But then when you went on the road, he was it, it was horrible. It was a different not horrible, but it had different numbers. That was the same for our defense, man. They did not pack the defense with them when they landed at stadiums on the road. And it consequently, it, you, you go game by game by game where the defense was just completely letting us down and giving up those drives and you know at the end of the second half beginning of the third quarter things like that were just demoralizing and just killed the momentum where Dak Prescott was having to play a lot from behind and just make miraculous throws and make plays to get us back on the board so we have got to finish this off because our defense last year no, no matter what the numbers say our defense played poorly. Here's the other thing too about the cornerback position I know this can't be the only factor when you're drafting but you got to look long-term to a certain degree. And I, I believe Anthony Brown's getting a new three-year deal. But Cheeto, Jordan Lewis, and I believe Kennedy, one-year deals, essentially. Last mm-hmm. year, their deal. So you got to yeah. look at, at what your quarterback position is going to look like past this season. And need is – I think they need a, another talented guy there anyway. But you got to start looking at what your, your roster is going to look, back, look like back there in 2021, too. I will say here's the most exciting part is that for the first time in a decade, we have the new coaching staff, which means that everything that has been uh, a trend for the last couple of draft years could be out the window. So the (laughs) fact that the Cowboys haven't really prioritized defensive backs the last couple of years early on in the draft, that could be their first pick. That's a great point. And you could talk about even coaching in general. I mean, look at the way that we're going to attack the the fifty three man roster it's going to be completely different it's it, it's breaking all of those norms that you're used to seeing for the Cowboys and I think a lot of people forget about that because they've been so concentrated on certain ways that the Cowboys operate whether it be with the new or the old coaching staff now moving to the new one things are going to change whether you like it or not uh, moving forward here for the Dallas Cowboys but. I think that's going to do it here for Talking Cowboys as we're running up on our time allotted to us today. I think that's it, which is crazy. Went by in a blink of an eye, but hopefully over the past hour we were able to entertain you enough uh, during your respective quarantine and shelter-in-place viewing, I guess, and listening here on this podcast. But, guys, it's been a whole lot of fun and and look forward to doing it again next week for Heckma Harrison, for Danny Sarek, and for Rob Phillips. I'm Kyle Yeomans. Thanks for listening to Talking Cowboys. Wash your hands. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!